There have been plenty of shortages of essential supplies during the pandemic, but there's one thing that many of them have in common, a lack of plastic containers. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Beer, hand sanitizer, disinfectant wipes, yeast, pasta, all of them had been in short supply at some point during the COVID-19 pandemic. In many cases, however, the real reason for those shortages isn't so much the products themselves, it's a lack of containers to put them in. Aaron Mock is a reporter for Slate.com and author of a series of articles about the impact of the coronavirus lockdown in America. He spoke with packaging suppliers, the American Cleaning Institute, supply chain managers, and other experts to understand how the shortage of plastic containers is affecting availability of these much-needed goods. Why can't the packaging industry keep up with demand? Here is my conversation with Aaron Mack. Aaron Mack, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Aaron, what led you to this story? So over the past six months, I've been covering supply chains, looking at shortages for products that we're not seeing in the grocery stores. And I'm kind of new to this field. And what I started noticing after doing this for so many months was that one of the biggest obstacles that all the companies were running into was getting enough packaging for the products. So They'd have enough of the actual product, like yeast or hand sanitizer or pasta, but the packaging that they wanted to put it into was difficult to attain. And the reason for that was what? It's actually really difficult to ramp up the supply chains for packaging in particular, just because the manufacturing process has been finely tuned over so many years just to get it perfectly for a certain amount of demand. And we saw these huge ramps up in demand because all these people were trying to get, say, rice or pasta or disinfectants at the beginning of the pandemic. And they just weren't ready to accommodate that amount of demand. What they ended up having to do was actually build new equipment, build new factories in order to accommodate this just because they had already been pretty much at capacity before this pandemic hit. Were you surprised at that conclusion? I mean, it is the case. We we know about complex manufacturing of high-tech and automotive and aerospace and the like. But I mean, this is about as basic a manufacturing process as you can think of. Why not just ramp up the damn machines and make more of it? Did that come as a surprise to you that something as simple as this was holding everything up? Yeah, definitely. I've had some supply chain managers say that the equipment to make packaging tends to be older than you would find in other production processes. So a lot of Factories tend to think that as long as this machine is working, we're going to keep using it. There's no real need to upgrade at this point. Another thing that happens a lot of the time is that when you do try to build in flexibility, when you try to make it so that you can easily create different types of packaging, like say you want to make both five-gallon bags and 12-ounce pouches for instant rice, you end up sacrificing volume a lot of the time. So it's, it's usually one or the other. You have to either go for volume or for flexibility and slightly more advanced machines. You make the point in the article that a lot of packaging lines were geared towards supplying institutional buyers like restaurants and the like, which means Mm -hmm. large packages and the like. And then suddenly they had to turn around and produce them for actually consumer goods. And that was not an easy 
turnaround. Is the packaging essentially domestically sourced or is some of it coming from offshore? There's a mix of offshore and domestic. I know that in India and China, there have been also some issues with getting enough packaging, especially with glass from India and some plastics from China have been bit difficult, but I was talking mostly to domestic manufacturers, and I think they were seeing a lot of the same issues. It's interesting, too. I, I guess another thing that's surprising about it is that we hear stories, maybe not that common, but certainly stories about sophisticated manufacturing lines that pivoted quite quickly, that were making some kind of industrial equipment, and all of a sudden they were making masks, they were making ventilators, uh, alcoholic beverage makers were making hand sanitizers. That's, they didn't seem to have any problem turning around. We're talking here about simply producing more of the same thing. So again, it's a little bit surprising that it should be so difficult, right? Yeah, exactly. There does seem to have been some retrofitting of certain lines. The trouble here is that packaging, the equipment itself is actually pretty hard to make, and the process is actually pretty complicated. Thinking about, say you're making cans, there aren't a lot of pieces of equipment that can uh, extrude aluminum into a cylinder. That machine only exists for making cans. It's hard to retrofit another machine to be able to do that. Basically, what you have to do is go to a manufacturer who specially makes that type of equipment. The chemistries for hand sanitizer are very similar to those for making alcohol, and that goes hand in hand. But for this, it's a very specific type of machine that you need. Did you investigate the relationship of the recycling stream to packaging and how that's being affected, as opposed to just stuff that's being made from new materials? Yeah, so I didn't look into that too much, but I know that I just was talking about cans. The canning industry had been seeing a rise in demand for their product because of the recyclability, because it is easier to remake those cans from used units. And now I think that they've been overloaded with so much waste that it's difficult to convert all these used products into new ones, which is leading to a lot of waste at this point. We're talking about maybe three different things here. We're talking about cardboard, we're talking about plastic, and we're talking about cans. Mm -hmm. Same situation in all, or was one of those more acute than the others? There are slight differences in the type of material you're talking about, but what it all comes down to at the end of the day is this manufacturing process. So getting enough of those actual materials, so getting enough cardboard, getting enough aluminum doesn't seem to be an issue. It's actually just turning those raw products into a, a shape that you yeah. can use for selling something. Again, it's the machines, basically, the technology yeah. and the machines. Yeah. Yeah, the machines would, have always yeah. been the issue. I would assume that this would mean, I mean, you said it's not a question necessarily of shortage of product itself. Does that mean that there's a bunch of unpackaged products sitting around somewhere in some state that can't be packaged, either going bad or just not being used or being redirected? What's happening to the product that would otherwise have been packaged? I covered pasta somewhat recently, and there did seem to be sort of this issue where they'd have just a bunch of pasta. and They weren't able to do anything with it until they were able to get smaller containers because usually that pasta was going to restaurants or stadiums, places mm -hmm. that are either closed or not having as much traffic as they usually would. Pasta itself, though, is, it lasts for a while. For oilable products, that would probably be an issue. I think my understanding is that they are making it such that they're not producing the product unless they have the packaging, though. Oh, I see. So it's not just sitting around in a warehouse somewhere rotting. Yeah, at least. Anything like that. <laughs> Right, right. At least not the, the spoilable products. I would think that in the case of the cans, especially beer, I would wonder if glass is an alternative or is that take too long to pivot as well? I mean, or is that being considered? So I know that there also have been issues with sourcing glass 
one company said that their supplier from India has been having issues with glass. So I, I didn't look too much into how glass is being affected, but I imagine it's the same sort of issue. So the adjustments that are being made, I mean, you indicated that there are some new factories being built, are there? Are there are machines being updated? Have efforts begun to address this problem? Yeah, so a number of companies I talked to said that they're building production lines to existing factories, or if they don't have enough space in that factory, they have to build a whole new plant, basically. But that takes a lot of time. Building a whole factory takes around a year, and adding a production line takes around six months. And it's extremely expensive, so that's, it's mm-hmm. going to take time. For a lot of these products, it's going to take around six months to a year for the packaging industry to catch up. And at the same time, that creates a secondary effect where you're trying to get more equipment for those factories. So the manufacturers of the equipment are actually being squeezed right now as well. So Mm -hmm. you have bottlenecks all across this this whole process. So what happens if they undertake this massive project? They take a year, they put in millions of dollars, they build new factories, all geared toward the idea of consumer packaging, as you suggested Mm -hmm. is is the problem up to now. And then restaurants reopen, uh, sports, sports arenas, theaters reopen, all of a sudden you have the need once again for institutional packaging. What do you do then? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have to back up or do you already have that capability sitting waiting to be used? Or have you said, oh my God, I shouldn't have spent this much money on something that was only temporary? What do you think is the dilemma that they face? Yeah, it's definitely the latter. Um, I know I've talked to some consultants who said that there is definitely that hesitance to go all in and build a whole new factory or plant thinking that if it gets to the point where this pandemic is actually over earlier than we think, then you have to mothball that that new capacity, and that's just a waste of money. It's easier when you already saw demand trending up prior to the pandemics. I talked about cans earlier. They had already been seeing demand rising for cans in the past five or six years. So if that trend continues, which it probably will, even past the pandemic, that's still going to be a good investment. Mm-hmm. It's tougher for People who are making uh, cleaning supplies, like sprayers, hand sanitizer bottles, pumps, that's a more difficult equation just because we don't know if people are going to want to keep using this level of sanitation past the pandemic. One would suspect not, but but who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, as you know, packaging has been at the forefront of environmental concerns for a long time. I'm wondering if producers and brands might choose to use this situation as an opportunity to rethink the whole nature of packaging, the materials that they use, where they get it from, how green those materials are. Do you think that there's some thinking about that, or are they more narrow-mindedly thinking, oh my God, we've just got to meet current demand with with current technology and and materials? So the people I talked to are definitely cognizant of that. They think that the pandemic will actually push industry to think more about green packaging. This has been a trend, again, for a while, even prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic just kind of accelerated that process. I know one area where they're thinking about that a lot, especially, is for e-commerce packaging. So when you order something from Amazon, you might notice that you get so much packaging just for maybe like a small product, like a lotion or something. There are like efforts to think about how to both minimize the amount of packaging and to think about formats that are going to be more sustainable just because we've seen the the oceans are being polluted to an extreme amount right now because of all the packaging that's required. Well, in terms of excess packaging material, I think we're already seeing some progress in that. I mean, I can speak just personally Mm -hmm. in terms of things I order. They're coming in much smaller packages now than they used to. I mean, is that your experience as well? Um, Personally, I think it does look like there's progress being made at this point. There's definitely a lot of thinking around that. And I think 
people are already putting some of these plans into practice. Maybe not enough, but at least some. some right. So have you investigated again? Have you followed up? Any signs of relief in this situation? I mean, even in the short term, I know you say it's going to take a, a year or more to really bring it up to speed, but has the crisis abated in any way that you can see? So there are some quick fixes people are trying to implement that seems to have helped a bit. So that's like simple things like adding more shifts, production lines for canisters, for certain types of packaging, there's certain switches you can make. Instead of having like a hard plastic canister for disinfecting wipes, you can use soft pouches. Mm -hmm. People are being less picky about the consumer format so that comes in. So they might be okay with a 12 ounce bag rather than maybe a six ounce bag. So they're being flexible there, but they're already at this kind of limit. There's only so much they can do in the coming months. So we're still going to see shortages in these products. One eye-catching thing that I saw is that the tops for some hand sanitizers and soaps, they're called distock caps. Those are backed up till 2023. Well, maybe it's time to redesign the whole package. And in that case, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, your article, uh, part of a series of articles in Slate under the general heading of six months in, although, of course, we are now more than six months in. What's going on now? What are you working on? Are you continuing to look into supply chain issues in the future? And will it be one year in at some point as part of the theme of the series? What's the deal there? Yeah, I suspect I'll keep doing this for a bit. My beat has now become sort of the economic impacts of the pandemic. So usually what happens is someone will hear about a product shortage or will notice that we can't get something in the grocery store. And basically they send me to go talk to the companies to figure out what's going on. So yeah, if you know of any products that you're really curious about, let me know. I'm definitely down to investigate. For sure. Aaron Mack, thanks a lot. I'll link to your article in Slate, The Real Reason There Was a Beer, Hand Sanitizer, Yeast, and Pasta Shortage, and we'll look forward to future articles from you on this topic. But, but hey, thanks very much for talking to us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. That was my conversation with Aaron Mack of Slate.com, talking about the real reason for product shortages during the pandemic. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.